Well, today we begin a journey together through the Gospel of John. And we will be on this journey for over a year as week after week we meet Jesus in the pages of Scripture. The Gospel of John is one of four complementary accounts of the life of Jesus that we find in the Bible. We call them the Gospels, that they are the good news recorded for us of Jesus Christ and his life and ministry. This Gospel of John was written by John, the disciple and the apostle, that he is the brother of James. They are known in the Gospels as the sons of Zebedee, or even better, the sons of Thunder. Really great name. And that John, along with James and Peter, formed the inner three among the twelve disciples. And so John knew Jesus well. He is one of the closest acquaintances that Jesus had while on earth. And he records for us who Jesus is so that we may believe in Jesus. Now, John, when he begins his gospel, he begins it differently than the other three writers that Mark in his gospel wrote and start at the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry when he was an adult beginning to preach, teach and to heal. Matthew and Luke, on the other hand, start with Jesus's conception and birth, the stories we typically read at Christmas. But John introduces Jesus in grand fashion. He wants us to make sure that we know that Jesus is God and that he is capable of fulfilling the promise of giving to his people eternal life. So this morning, as we start our journey through the Gospel of John, I'd invite you to open your bulletin or your Bible. We'll be in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Don't worry, we will be doing more than five verses most weeks. It's not going to take five years. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, as John introduces us to Jesus. Hear the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we give thanks for your word. We thank you that you speak to us in ways that are simple and yet profound. And the language that John wrote in is perfectly that. It is simple. The simplest of sentences and structures and yet the meaning so deep that we can continue digging in it all of our days and not understand every last bit of it. God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word today, that you would use me in spite of my sin and my weakness to faithfully and clearly proclaim your word and that you would give us ears to hear. 
that you would give us open and receptive hearts and minds to hear your word and your truth today. Spirit, go forth in the power of your word and mold and shape us and do your great work in us that we would grow in our knowledge of God and love of God, that we would live for your glory, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as we look here at John in the very beginning of the gospel, we get the introduction. It is part of the prologue, the beginning of what John sets out in chapter 1. Now, if you were introducing someone to someone else, you would likely introduce that person by their name, their relationship to you, And perhaps some relevant piece of information, maybe their occupation or something else. So, for example, football players, whenever they are introduced to the the audience, would be introduced by their name, their position, and where they played college ball. Doctors might be introduced by their name, their specialty, and where they practice medicine, whether it is at their own practice or at a hospital. Perhaps your grandchildren, if you were introducing them, you would introduce them by name and their age and which child of yours that they belong to. But when it comes to introducing Jesus, John does not use any basic biographical information. Where he was born, who was his father, what time period did he come into. Matthew and Luke covered those details. And so John is more interested in introducing us to Jesus as the Son of God. And though Jesus is fully human, he is more than that. And so how to introduce Jesus to the people reading this gospel was very important to John. He did not want people reading this to reduce Jesus to a mere man to try to make him easy to understand in a sense. He wanted to begin in the biggest way possible to remind us that this guy, this friend of mine, is God. And so in verse 1, he gives us three very loaded phrases to clearly define for us who Jesus is. So first, John tells us that Jesus is eternal. He writes, in the beginning was the Word. Now we're going to look at why he doesn't even call him Jesus and he calls him the Word in just a few minutes. But notice how he begins his gospel the same way the Bible begins. In the beginning. That he's intentionally pointing us back to the very beginning when all things were created. But notice that he does not say in the beginning Jesus was born. Or in the beginning, God made Jesus. No, he says in the beginning was. That Jesus was always there in the very beginning. This contradicts our tendency to think of Jesus as simply a good man who had a perfect relationship with God. That it's often far easier to think about Jesus just as a man And not think about his eternal existence. Because then you start running into all kinds of troubles of, well, didn't Jesus know all this stuff when he was a kid? What did he need to learn? But if you only think of Jesus as a man and not as eternal, you end up finding yourself in the early heresy of Arianism. 
that Arianism was one of the big things that the Nicene Creed had to correct against. That a man, a few hundred years after John wrote this gospel named Arius, came around and started teaching that there was once a time when Jesus was not. That there was once a time when Jesus was not. That Arius did not believe that Jesus was eternally existent. But that's what John says here. That in the beginning was the word that Jesus has always been, and certainly in light of his resurrection, he will always be. That Jesus was not created. He did not come into existence at a certain point in time. He has always existed and Jesus is eternal. That in the beginning was the Word. So John lays that out first. And then second, the second loaded phrase says this, and the Word was with God. This phrase tells us that Jesus is a distinct person. That in some sense, Jesus is different from God. You can think of it this way, that it is possible to be by yourself, but it is impossible to be with yourself. So if the Word was with God, there is some distinction between the Word and God. And this makes sense since Jesus is described on multiple occasions as praying to God. If there is no distinction, who's he praying to? And so just as the first phrase that John gave us contradicted the Arian heresy, this phrase contradicts the heresy we call modalism. And we call it modalism because it was originally called Sabellianism. And that sounds way too long and complicated. And modalism is the idea that God has three modes or forms. That sometimes God changes into the form of the Father. And then he'll change out of the Father and change into the Son. And then it'll change into the Spirit. And that there's one God, He just has three outfits, if you will. The Father, Son, and Spirit. Now you may think that's silly, but sometimes we make that error when we try to think of the Trinity in simpler terms. Like saying, well, it's a lot like ice and water and steam. That there's three forms of water. But that ends up in modalism. That that's not what the Bible teaches. As helpful as that may seem, it leads us astray from the truth of God that the Bible tells us that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinctly different, that Jesus is uniquely his own person. And John tells us that this word was with the Father before all creation. He rounds out verse 1 with this third loaded phrase, and the word was God. And now you're just like, well, now we've got to just tear up everything we just said. What is going on? John, what are you doing to me? How can the Word both be with God and be God himself? John wants us to see that Jesus is not some lesser deity, a minor God, a lowercase g God, like in ancient mythologies, like Roman mythology, where you find family trees of gods and half-gods, that Jesus is not like this. He is not a lesser God. Some branches of the faith that are outside of orthodoxy, like Mormonism, teach that Jesus is a God, a lesser God. But that is not what John says. John does not say Jesus is a God, but is God. 
that the word is not a lesser God. And so that complex, lengthy statement that we had in the Nicene Creed was specifically developed so that we could understand what we mean and don't mean by the Trinity. That we have one God eternally existent in three persons. And all three persons are the same in substance and equal in power and glory. That John carefully chose his exact language in these short phrases in verse 1 to make sure that he describes Jesus is the same and yet distinctly different. It makes our heads hurt. But we don't fully comprehend God because God is so much bigger than we are. Now we have to look at what he writes in verses 1 and 2 and remind ourselves that John was a Jewish man. And these are ridiculous and outrageous things for any first century Jewish man to believe. That the Jewish people prided themselves on believing in one God. That was their core belief that distinguished them from all the pagan idolatry all around them that had all sorts of gods. They were the people with one God. That their foundational verse in the Old Testament was Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And yet we, here we have a Jewish man by the name of John saying that his friend existed from all eternity with God. And though he is personally unique and distinct from God, he is also the one God the Jews have always worshipped. And so John, in the first two verses of his gospel, is essentially saying, here's my crazy stuff. Here is the wild stuff I am going to tell you. I know to a lot of you it makes no sense, but Jesus is not a wise teacher. He is not just a deeply religious man. He is not just a miracle worker, but this Jesus who I want to introduce you to is really, truly God in the flesh. He understands how crazy this is. But then he starts describing who this Jesus is and what he was doing. Because if Jesus didn't show up until around the time of John, then what was he doing for all those years? Well, John tells us in verse 3 that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That Jesus was active in creation. That John continues to draw on Genesis 1 by expanding our understanding of creation. That yes, God created the heavens and the earth, but it was a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who created the heavens and the earth. John tells us that all things were made through Jesus. That's what verse 3 says. All things were made through Him. That's what Hebrews 1, our New Testament reading, said. That through whom also... He created the world. I don't know about you, but I read Genesis 1 just now. It didn't mention Jesus. How, how are we getting Jesus? Like we just popping him back in there. How could it have happened through Jesus if he's not mentioned there in the creation account? Well, that's where we get to why John calls Jesus the Word. That Jesus is not even named until verse 17 of chapter 1 of John. Instead, John calls him 
the word. And there's a number of reasons why he might have done that. But by connecting it to creation, we can see why. How did God create the heavens and the earth? By his word. That God said, let there be light. And there was light. That nothing exists apart from God in the very beginning. And so God didn't have Legos or building blocks or stuff to make stuff with. He had to speak it into existence. And so he used his word. That is how he created. And so John calls him the word, not the messenger. That would create too big of a distinction like, hey, errand boy, slave, go do that. No, by calling him the word, he is combining them in a sense. Showing the close connection between the speaker and what was spoken. And so by this word, all things were created. Jesus didn't just help a little bit. Like if you're doing yard work and your young child does like, oh, I pulled one weed. I did one shovel. No, no, no. Jesus created all things. The sun, the moon, the stars. The land, the sky, the seas, the plants, the animals, men and women, all of them. Jesus created all things. That it is through Jesus that everything derives its existence. And that idea of existence or being is really key to understanding verses 4 and 5. Here John calls him life and light. Two themes that he will use again later. He says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So you can think about it in this way. In the very beginning, there was only God. The only thing that existed was God because God alone is self-existent. He can exist on his own. He has life in himself. And so if Jesus was in the beginning with God, then he also has life in himself. And when he created all things, he gave them life and existence. That without Jesus, nothing else would exist. If you were to ask, why do you have life? Why do I exist? Well, something had to give me life. That we were all born. We all had, someone else had to give us life and existence. And if you trace that all the way back, why is there anything that has life? Well, God is life. He is self-existent and he alone can give life. And he is saying here that Jesus is that source of life. And he compares him to light to try and help us understand it. That light, you can look up at all the lights, originates or emanates from somewhere. That light can come from the sun and the stars. It can come from fire. It can come from light bulbs. But light shines forth from these sources. And without these light sources, the world would be dark and cold. And similarly, John is saying that Jesus is the life source of the world. That just like light is only found in light sources, so life has a source. And that source is Jesus. That he is the creator and all life finds its source in him. And John specifically says 
that this life was the light of men. That originally the good creation of God fell into darkness because of the sin of men and women. And the life that Jesus brings gives us light to clearly see who God is. It's light to warmly comfort us by the love of God. It is light to guide us in the truth. It is light to stimulate our growth like plants grow in the sun. This life of Jesus works in us like light shining to cast away the darkness that we have brought on ourselves. And so in the gospel here, John introduces us to Jesus so that we can know the life that he gives to have his light shine in us, casting out the darkness. John writes towards the end of the gospel in chapter 20, that I wrote these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. To receive the life that Jesus gives, John calls on us to believe in him. John does not call on us to believe that he was simply a good teacher. He does not tell us, follow the moral example of Jesus. He says, I would like to introduce you to the eternally existent Son of God who is one with the Father and the Spirit. I would like to introduce you to the living Word who accomplishes all that God has promised to do, specifically saving His sinful people from the darkness of sin and death through His life and His light. Sometimes when we think about Jesus, we can get so focused on the human element. And He was fully God. Next week we'll look at the humanity of Jesus more. But John wants us to see that Jesus cannot be reduced into our simple understandings or into just pieces of what we want Jesus to be. We cannot make Jesus just a moral teacher. We cannot make him just a man that we want to listen to or follow. John wants us to see the reason why Jesus needs to be known is because he is God. He is the source of our life, our creator. And he offers us eternal life. That God made himself known through Jesus. And so John is saying, can I introduce you to Jesus? Can I introduce you to God himself? That's what I want to do here in my gospel. And if you don't know Jesus, if you are uncertain who this Jesus is and why we sing about him, why we talk about him so much, then Let John show you who Jesus is. You can pick up the word and read the gospel of John. You'll probably get done faster than we will here on Sunday mornings is my guess. But find Jesus in the word. See, having celebrated Easter last week, we know that Jesus has life in himself. For even after he was executed on the cross, he rose from the dead to new and everlasting life. That he says, I can give eternal life to him. So if you know this Jesus, if you have been introduced to Jesus, then may I invite you, introduce others to Jesus as well. And say here, like John is doing here, let me introduce you to the Jesus I know, to the one who has shown light into my life and given me the hope of life even in death. Amen. Let us pray. 
Oh God, we give thanks that you have revealed to us such wonderfully deep truths like that of the Trinity, that you have made yourself known. Humble us, O oh God. May the, the pain in our brain that we feel trying to understand how one God can exist in three persons, may that change from pain to awe and wonder. And may we be filled with worship for you. Lord, help us to know Jesus. To see in the Scriptures how you have made yourself known through the life of Christ. And may we come to know you. And we pray, O oh God, that many more would come to know Jesus, that we would introduce them to him through our words and our actions, O oh God. May we tell others about this Jesus who is the Word made flesh. In his name we pray. Amen.